Before we get into the scripture passage this morning and the sermon, I just want to give a brief update on the status of reopening our buildings and facilities. What I'm referring to as recongregating um, Ashland Place United Methodist Church. In 2008, I was ordained a, an elder in the United Methodist Church, and the question that the bishop asked um, those being ordained as elders and deacons was, will you um, follow the general rules of the United Methodist Church? And these rules are pretty simple. The first one, the very first rule is do no harm. And the second one is do all the good you can. And the third one is attend to the ordinances of God, what Bishop Job calls staying in love with God. These seem pretty simple. They're not always easy, but they're simple. But these are the three principles that kind of guide our decision-making and, and how we look to move forward, not only in this environment we're in now with COVID-19, but pretty much any venture that we enter into. So with these three things in our minds, this is what we're looking at. And this is what the task force, uh, the COVID task force is addressing, is how do we reopen as safely as we can to do no harm? How do we reopen in such a way that does all the good that we can? And then how do we reopen that allows us to stay in love with God or invites us to attend the ordinances of God? I just want you to know that the task force continues to meet regularly to address um, uh, the, how we'll open the policies and, and the regulations and procedures that will make us safer and uh, the, time, the timing that will bring us together as safely as possible with the lowest amount of risk, acceptable risk that we can assume. And I just want you to know that we are looking forward to the day, to the time when we can gather together and to do no harm and to do all the good and to attend to the ordinances of God. I, I want to leave you with these three things as we make our way through this pandemic. We want, to, we want to get together as soon as it is possible to gather safely with an acceptable risk. We want to gather again and when we do it will look quite different as we slowly grow back to some sense of normal. We will practice safe, safe social distancing, personal protection, and safer, safer traffic patterns through our facilities. And finally, and certainly not least, the church has never closed. The church will never close. We may gather differently and we may practice differently, but we continue to gather and we continue to worship and study, to serve and to pray. And just remember that whatever it is we, and however it is that we meet and congregate, we are the church. And the church has never closed. Welcome uh, to Ashland Place United Methodist Church. I'm Sterling Boykin, the senior pastor at Ashland Place. And as you can tell, we are not in the sanctuary. We are at uh, Dolphin's Restaurant on the 34th floor of this wonderful building with a wonderful, incredible view of Mobile. And uh, we want to thank uh, the staff of Dolphin's to allow us to come in here this morning and to film this um, reading and sermon and to enjoy this view even on a, on a cloudy morning. Um, it is wonderful to be here and to oversee, to look out and see a beautiful uh, city in Mobile and the surrounding area. I invite us now to hear a reading from Genesis chapter 22 as we continue our uh, series on the patriarchs. This is a very difficult, um, hard reading. Um, so I invite us to read along. This is Genesis chapter 22, um, verses 1 through 19. And... Um, Notice there, are, there may be differences um, in wording in your translations, and we will try to address some of those later. But um, hear now this very challenging reading from Genesis 22. 
After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him here, there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Sir Abraham called the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I can't imagine as a, as a father hearing what Abraham heard in his mind and in his heart to take his son, his beloved son, and to travel three days, climb a mountain, and then lay his son down on this altar, a burnt offering as an offering to God. What a challenge. What a test. But as a Christian pastor, I can hear in this passage something about loyalty. How, how, how loyal is Abraham to God? Is his loyalty lie to his family, to his favored son, 
to this promise he has been given and for some nearly 40 years raised this son up. Is that where his loyalty lies? Or is his loyalty lie with God who made the promise? Who made the promise real and possible? Where does his loyalty lie? There's something in, in this um, concept and idea of loyalty that makes sense as a Christian pastor. This challenge, this test of loyalty is with us every day. How do we place our loyalty with God every day? Among all the other ideas, notions, people, things, places that we can opt to place our loyalty as a Christian minister, I can, I can, and a Christian preacher, I can certainly understand how this, this episode foreshadows God's offering of His only Son, His beloved, as a sacrifice to the whole world for all of humanity and for the glory of God. That foreshadowing makes sense as a Christian minister. And the grace found in this episode, when the Lord's angel stops Abraham's hand from doing any harm to his son and looking forward, a vision cast so far, so far out in time and place and eternity that we, that Abraham or anyone could imagine. That makes sense for me as a Christian preacher. But how do we take this very difficult passage and not just take the easy way and say this is the way I want to look at it as a Christian uh, a pastoral sense or a Christian uh, preaching proclamation sense and, and, and foreshadowing of, of Christ? Certainly these are, are valid, reliable options. But maybe there's more here, and if we're not careful, we will overlook some of the things that are happening in this episode. One of the things that this episode reminds me of is um, years ago when uh, we were living in Dothan, Alabama, and, and um, we didn't have views like this um, in Dothan. Um, well, we, we, we did have views, but they were more ground level. They were more on the, on the ground, on the earth, and, and the agricultural uh, um, kind of visions. We, uh, we, we had this wonderful season of, of a youth group and a wonderful ministry in our youth ministry there. And uh, we took a trip and we took uh, the youth group up to Atlanta for um, just kind of a retreat. And uh, one of the things we did while we, while we were there is we went to Six Flags Amusement Park. And um, it was um, this new roller coaster had just, been, had just come out not that long before. And it was called The Batman. Um, roller coaster, and, and I've never been much of a roller coaster kind of person. I don't like being spun out of control and turning upside down and corkscrews and loops, and it's just not my thing. But um, there were a couple of youth, Susan and Kitty, they really wanted me to ride this roller coaster with them, and they just they kept on and kept on. So finally, I relented and I said, Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ride the roller coaster with you. And by then, it had grown dark, so it was at night, and we got on this. We got in line and waited and waited, and we finally got to the front. And when you get to the front of this roller coaster, there are different avenues you can take, and each avenue places you in one of the cars, and they wanted to ride on the front car. 
and I say car uh, loosely because they're not, they're not cars in this roller coaster. Um, so we, they forced us to the front. So we were in the front car. And so finally when our turn came up, and, and I'm sitting there watching this thing take off and come back and take off and, and come back, and it was our turn. And, and I hesitantly and with great reservation um, went in first and sat down on this, I guess as a seat, <laughs> more of a cushion, and it had a, um, a bar that came down and fastened in, and you just, you, your feet dangle, and you're, there's nothing surrounding you other than this safety bar that kind of um, closes you in and, and, and holds you in place. So your hands and your feet and your body are all kind of out in the open, and we're in the front, so there's nothing, literally nothing in front of me. And then um, Susan and Kitty were, there's three to, a, to each car, and uh, we took off. And it starts off real slow, but it doesn't take very long for speed to build up. And I'm kind of, well, I'm pretty anxious about it. And they're just, I look over and they're just beaming, grinning, ear to ear. Can't wait for my expression. And so as the speed builds up, all of a sudden we just take this drop and we just enter this corkscrew of a turn. I didn't even know it was there. I never saw it coming. Next thing I knew, my stomach was gone and my head was thrown back and, I had, and my eyes were shut. And all I could hear was the, the cars racing down the track and them laughing. I never saw any turn, any drop, any lift, nothing this entire ride. And that's kind of, that's an important illustration for me. It, it makes sense for me because that's what we see in life. There's, life brings corkscrews and loops and drops and turns and lifts and, and hills and valleys. And we can only live in that moment, experiencing each moment. And that's where Abraham was, experiencing the moment of God calling him to journey three days, to climb a mountain, to offer a sacrifice. God has a much better view. God not only views the world as we view it, in time and in space, in moments of time, and inch by inch, but God has an eternal view that stretches further than we can imagine, further than we can ever comprehend. Not only is it a vision of distance, but it's a vision of meaning. It's a vision of eternal importance. It's a, a vision of purpose. And I think maybe that is one of the things that we can take away from this episode with Abraham and Isaac. This binding of Isaac. Maybe we can begin to understand that what this episode reveals to us, one of the things, is that God has a vision that is far greater, far deeper, far more important, far more eternal than we can ever, ever comprehend. But not only, not only does God have that kind of broad, eternal vision, but He has a vision that is on the ground, Agricultural, moment by moment, inch by inch, with us as humans, with humankind. 
And that's an important lesson for us. But maybe there's even more in this story. As this story unfolds, there's a, there's a movement in this story that, that really, I think, captures an important revelation for Abraham and for us. You see, when the story begins, it's God, Elohim, who calls Abraham to take his son, these three days' journey, to climb this mountain, to offer this burnt offering, and giving only Isaac as the offering. God, Elohim, is the voice. And that is the character and the voice that Abraham responds to. But in verse 11, there's a change. No longer is the word Elohim used for God. The the word moves to Adonai, to Lord, to Yahweh. And if you look in your in your translations, maybe um, you'll find that the, the, the word is Lord in, in that translation, or maybe it's Jehovah in that translation, or maybe it's Adonai in that translation. Maybe it's Yahweh in your translation. Because we scholars and we humans struggle to make sense of this very difficult story. We struggle to make sense of God, who can be very unpredictable. Because we can only see so far. We can't see with the vision of God, the purpose of God. But anyway, as this, as this story moves from God calling, Elohim calling God to journey with Isaac and to climb the mountain and make this offering, in verse 11, it's the Lord. It's Adonai who stops Abraham's hand. It's Adonai, it's the Lord that this place is named for. Because it was the Lord will provide an offering. So maybe as as Abraham travels in his space, in his time, in his history, inch by inch, and moment by moment, he is given this revelation, the revelation of the Lord moving from the God who will call for sacrifice, a sacrifice that was probably familiar to him in the cultures that he visited and passed through and lived in. Child sacrifice was not unfamiliar. But it was the Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah. It was this revelation that says you will not sacrifice, you will not harm your child. It's a different view, a different vision. It's a a revelation that casts light on a vision that we cannot comprehend. And it casts light on a Lord God, Adonai, Jehovah, that maybe we can't understand and can't predict, but we know that He is good and He is with us. And He desires no harm for us. And He desires good for us. He desires us to be blessed. And He desires us to be in a relationship with Him. To stay in love with God. To be loyal to God. That's the vision I think Abraham was given in this episode. It's the vision that we are given in reading this very difficult and hard passage. To kind of begin to see that God doesn't look and see the way that we see. At least He looks and sees in ways that reach beyond what we can see. So as we move um, throughout this season of COVID-19, as we move through our inch by inch and moment by moment, let us be open to the vision of God 
He desires good for us. He desires no harm for humanity and desires for us all to be in love with Him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.